before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hey guys, I've got with me today Coach Jason Martinez. Coach Martinez is beginning his 13th season as the defensive coordinator and head strength coach at Grinnell College in Grinnell, Iowa. Uh, his defense has steadily improved and he's helped rewrite the record books there, setting numerous defensive records in 2013, ranking 21st in turnovers gained in 2000 or in uh, uh, the Division Three, And then in 2016 and 17, they had the nation's leading tackler. Uh, before that, he spent some time at Illinois College, which is my alma mater, uh, where he was the defensive line coach, special teams coordinator, and much more importantly, the heads men tennis coach. Uh, spent some time at Bibinji State and got his start at Albion College as a def uh, assistant defensive line special teams coach, um, where he was actually a former player as a two-sport athlete. Um, and he's also got his master's degree and Certified strength and conditioning coach with all that wonderful NSCA and CSCS certifications that are impossible to, to pass. So, Coach Martinez, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, excited to, to talk with you today. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I'm an avid listener. I love love the podcast. I'm you know when you hit me up and said, hey, let's let's jump on the podcast. I was like, let let's do it. Well, yeah, and and I I think I hit you up a long time ago because you and I both have had a couple we've had some busy, busy off seasons, uh, uh, to say the least. So it's, you know, sometimes my, I, I keep, I tell my wife like every day, I'm like, I got to record, I got to record. And then it, it unfortunately goes like two weeks in between before I, I get a chance to do so. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we could find some time to, to talk and, and get you on here. So, um, um, like I said, I'm looking forward to this. Um, you know, first things first, obviously you are a defensive coordinator, uh, and this is, you know, a, a quote unquote offensive line geared, podcast but um talk to me about how the offensive line played a role in some of the you know some of the more successful teams that you've been a part of as a coach or a player yeah I mean they were they were crucial you know I I, I really believe you know I know it's a little bit cliche where you know people sit there and say you know championships are won in the in the trenches but I, I really do believe it if you have a you know, a great offensive line, a great defensive line you can really really set the tone and do some things and some of the teams that I've been a part of I mean you know, I won a state championship in high school in Michigan. Um, we were really, really good on both sides of the ball. Our O-line was was phenomenal. Um, we had a couple guys that ended up playing some D1 ball, but a lot of, you know, kind of D3, D2 guys um, that really gelled together and, and helped us win, win a, a state title. And then when I got to Albion, you know, I, I walked into a championship program as a player, as a freshman there. Um, my first year, we won, we won the won the championship and won the MIAA and it was because of our old line. I mean, we had, I mean, we had great skill players. Don't get me wrong. Um, some guys that come to my, you know, come to mind, you know, John Bennett and some other dudes, uh, Travis Rundle, who's the head football coach down at uh, Swanee. Um, he was our starting quarterback. I mean, we had some great skill players and really good defense, but our old line was big, nasty, phenomenal and athletic. It, it was, it was a huge deal. Um, yeah. it, it was, it was important that, you know, the pound, purple, pound, that was our philosophy. Right. Uh, and we were going to do that on offense. We we're going to do that on defense. And we we're going to do that on special teams. I mean, in college, uh, you know, coach Arnold, Dave Arnold, who recruited me was our O-line coach. He coached at, uh, at the U at Miami. He coached in the NFL. 
Um, and he, he basically took that old lineman mindset to the special teams because he was also our special teams coordinator. Right. There's a reason why I was on special teams as a, as a sophomore in the back on kickoff return. You know, I'm in the, I'm an up back returning, you know, I'm not returning kicks. It's going to the guys behind me, but right. there's me, another D lineman and two tight ends setting the wedge back in the day when we could actually do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Some, some guys are listening and saying, what the heck is he talking about right there? <laughs> yeah. It's a little, I mean, it's, you know, a little old school where you could actually go block, you know, right. <laughs> up and block some guys. It was, you know, four pretty big size bodies. Cause our two tight ends, our one tight end was six, four, six, five, and he was about two fifty. Right. Um, I was about two fifty. you know, I'm only, you know, five ten. Um, our other tight end was six foot two thirty, And then our other D lineman was, you know, six, four, 235 240 that's a lot of beef coming at you right in a wedge um and you know most guys put on special teams especially back then on kickoff were little fast guys so right i mean coach arnold brought that mentality to the special teams as well um and then even when i was at bemidji state our o-line uh coach tesh our, our head football coach was the o-line coach it was important always important for us to be able to win in the trenches and pound the rock right um and set a mentality. So I think it's, it's crucial, you know, the old line, you know, Hey, I, you know, as a defensive coordinator, I crack those jokes. Like, Hey, if they were a better athlete, they, you know, they, they'd be playing another position. <laughs> right. Reality is, is, you know, they're an old lineman, but there are a lot of athletic old linemen out there that, that can get after it. And I think it's, a, it's crucial to any program that's trying to win games. You know, if you, you know, are building a program as a new head coach, that's where you start. I think right. you got to hire, I think you got to hire DC. And I think the second best, or if not, you know, the best coach on your staff should be your own O-line coach. Right. Um, Cause that guy's got to make a lot of adjustments. He's got to, he's got to be able to know how to handle all the different form formations, fronts, blitzes, you know, creepers, all that stuff and keep those guys together, working together for the betterment of other people. So right. um, I think it's huge. It's crucial. It, it's any of the championship programs that I've been a part of um, and winning programs that I've been a part of have had great O-line play and great O-line coaches. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, and, and I always try, again, I, I like to get different perspectives just because everybody's kind of got that different, mindset about things and you know everybody you know rarely do we get the you know you don't you don't often get the the great team without the without the good offensive line um but you know it's it's again it's kind of a loaded question but still i i always like to hear everyone's different answer no that's true i mean i think you're right i mean yeah. it's uh they're a central part of the cog of the wheel you know it's if you don't have great o-line play it's it's tough to make it up yeah no doubt it, you're running a lot. I mean, I, I will say this. My first year at Illinois College, we didn't have a, a ton of great O-line play. We were a little limited um, roster-wise that year. I think we had like 77 on roster. And it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Right. You know, we had some really good players. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, P. Jennings, who's a good buddy of both of ours, his brother Mike played for us. He was a, a junior that year and he was a, he set the NCAA record for like most receptions in a season and all this other stuff but we still only went five and five and it was yeah. there were some critical critical times and games where god we just needed a yard right and we couldn't convert because we just you know we, our old line was banged up and and we didn't have the depth that we wanted and 
it, it was a, a big factor. And the reason why I think we were, were better in year two and then got even better, they got better after I left year three and year four um, was because of what we recruited and how we recruited and what we brought in. We made yeah. it a point that we were going to get some bobs on the offensive line and we were going to be, we're going to pound the ball and we're going to be successful. Yeah, no, yeah, that's no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, you kind of, you alluded to it a little bit earlier talking about building and then you just kind of mentioned recruiting as well. Um, talk to me, you know, I'm curious just because, you know, we, we played against each other for, for two games the last three years, uh, you know, not counting COVID season or counting the COVID season, I guess, but talk a little bit about the, I don't want to use the word difficulties, but the challenges challenges that's much better word thank you thank you much the, the challenges that some might have recruiting to grinnell because I, and some listeners might not know grinnell is one of the you know best academic institutions in in not just the midwest but in in the you know in the in the nation so talk a little bit about the challenges of getting of getting you know getting bodies and obviously you guys are doing a great job in recruiting your your you know your your numbers have tripled since the first time I saw you guys, if not more, and I'm sure you guys have done a great job this, this past year as well. So talk a bit about the challenges and, and just explain kind of why you guys have those challenges. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, the, the catchphrase in division three is everybody's a high academic, right? You've right. heard, you've been, you've been around it. I mean, being at the division three level as a player, as a coach, but also being a coach at the high school level. Right. Um, and the reality is, is not every school is the same. Everybody has their, their challenges and, and everybody has their upside, right? Right. Uh, but one of the things at Grinnell that is really, really unique to us that most people don't realize, and I don't even think a lot of people in our conference realize it with the exception of, uh, you know, probably the University of Chicago is we're a top, you know, 15 liberal arts school in the country. Um, you know, to put it in perspective, I always kind of, I'm a numbers guy. So I kind of give it give numbers to a lot of the things that I talk about when people ask me about the difficulties here and challenges of recruiting is, you know, being a top 15 liberal arts school, that means you have, you know, less than a 10% acceptance rate. I think last year was six, this last recruiting cycle for the 2022 seniors, high school seniors, mm -hmm. this incoming class was 6.7% acceptance rate, I think. Oh, wow. Um, and we had, we had over 10,500 applications. Right. Or 440 spaces, roughly. So you're talking about very competitive pool of applicants. Right. On top of that, you know, we don't recruit guys. Typically speaking, um, we can't recruit anything under a 30 ACT and, you know, 1480, you know, 1500 SAT. Um, and even if you have those scores, if you have, you know, it's not a great transcript. Right. You know, if you have a bunch of C's and D's on your transcript, that's not going to outweigh, you know, your test score is not going to outweigh that. You know, you right. got to show that you're taking, you know, eight to 10 APs. You're doing well getting A's and B's. It's got to be all A's and B's and those type of things. And, and, you know, I will say because of the pandemic, you know, and the adjustments uh, at higher ed, a lot of the peer institutions that we compete against are MIT, you know, uh, John Hopkins, Chicago, Right. Vermont, those type of schools academically, we've all, you know, throughout the nation have basically decided to go test optional. Um, just because of the pandemic, there were, you know, no tests were getting canceled and, and people weren't being able to get the opportunity to take the test. So, um, 
that even puts more emphasis on the the academics and the transcripts. So um, we're looking for essentially the top, you know, 15% of the class. Um, guys are taking eight to 10 APs or IB courses, challenging course load that are doing sports, but also doing other things outside of sports, you know, right. National Honor Society, choir, all those things. So it's pretty difficult. Um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of think, oh, well, it's just easy. Just go mass recruit, you know, and recruit your backyard. And, you know, to be honest, less than 10% of our student body are from the state of Iowa. We recruit nationwide. Right. Uh, you know, so we have to, as an institution, we have to recruit nationwide because of our academic rigor. Um, we also have about 50 different countries represented on campus. So we got a small campus, but it has a large university feel and super competitive. Um, it is the one thing, you know, I, I've been here, you know, this will be my 13th season coming up. Uh, it's been crazy just to see, you know, when I first got here, the benchmarks weren't that high. Right. Um, we were recruiting. It was, it was tough, but it wasn't like that. Um, and as our institution has climbed in the rankings, so has the difficulty or challenge of recruiting here at Grinnell. Um, you put that academic side of things and then you add on, like most people look at it and they're like, well, what is there to do in Iowa? You know, that's, <laughs> that, you know, you understand what I'm talking about when I say that, because, yeah. you know, you lived in Iowa for a while and, you know, obviously if you're not from the Midwest and you're not from Iowa, you might not know what there is to do here. Um, I will say one of the great things about here is just getting our kids, getting kids to come and check things out and seeing what we have to offer here. Right. Um, you know, the, with that challenge of the academic setting and the, and the rural setting that we're in in Iowa comes the, the fact that we have, we have an endowment that allows us to really, really offer a lot of wide range of opportunities for our students here. Um, you know, we have a ton of different clubs here. Uh, SGA, our student government, has a ton of funding that allows them to put on a bunch of different events. We've had concerts, um, you know, where they've had, I mean, I, I believe Wu-Tang Clan was here back in like the late 90s. Okay. Uh, they've had, yeah, they've had a bunch of different musicians on this campus, some that I can't even, you know, I don't know, but it really tells me it's pretty popular. I'm kind of very collected. They're very, very centralized in my music taste. So, um, <laughs> I, there are some some artists out there, but you know, yeah, they bring in a bunch of different artists, a bunch of different comedians. They do a bunch of different things. Right. Um, the nice thing too is you can form if you if you and I were a student at Grinnell, and we wanted to start a group, a club, it just take the two of us, and we could petition for whatever amount of money we wanted uh, to start that club. Um, I we had a few guys a few years back, football players that wanted to start a meat eaters club, and I was like, "There's no way you guys are going to get approval for this," and they did. And they were eating like kings. I mean, I'm talking filet mignon, ribeyes, lobster. <laughs> they were grilling out twice a month. Yeah. They put it on for the entire campus, but they knew it was just going to be athletes that showed up. Um, and they were eating well, and they were getting, you know, 600 bucks a month for three, four months to cook out for the entire campus. And they were eating well. So, you know, that's the type of funding that we have here for guys, and, and that's the unique thing here. Um that I get to present to recruits is like, Hey, yeah, we understand we're in the middle of Iowa. We get it. It's not, you know, you didn't, when you looked at your college experience, Iowa probably wasn't at the top of your list. It was probably California, Florida, Texas, you know, somewhere by a beach, something like that right. or in a major city, but understand 99% of your time is going to be spent on campus 
And if your school doesn't have the funding to, to provide opportunities and, and entertainment for you, what are you going to do? Right. We're going to provide a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of the challenges for us here recruiting wise is the academic side, um, the rural setting, but we can balance out a lot of that stuff. It, it really narrows our focus as far as what we're, who we're recruiting, the type of kids we got to recruit. Um, it does make us recruit nationwide, but it, it, there are a lot of things here that are going well that help us out and really, you know, allow us to separate ourselves um, in addition to our, our education. I mean, our guys right. are graduating and getting, I mean, our running back from last year graduated and signed a six figure deal with a company out on the East coast um, working in the business offices. Right. Um, we have one of our guys, our tight end who graduated a semester early, who is in Michigan law school. So, you know, we're putting some guys out there that are going to Michigan Law School, MIT, Stanford, those type of things, or signing six-figure contracts that are, you know, pretty lucrative jobs where I'm just like, man, what did I do? You know, I should have right. went to Grinnell and not became a football <laughs> coach. I would have made a lot more money. So, yeah, um, right. but it's pretty, it's pretty unique. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. That's, I mean, and, you know, you talk about all that, and, and obviously in, in recruiting, you've got, you know, you know what you're looking for, but you also know that the guys that, you know, the guys that you get coming in year in and year out really want to be there and, and really, you know, don't, you know, I would have to imagine your guys' retention rates pretty good for the most part and, and, and on the rise anyways. Um, it's, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, our guys are, that is one thing I will say is our guys are all bought in. I mean, our, our head coach, coach Barnes came in, um, took over in December of 2019, and he was really, really concerned about that. Right. Um, and I, I just told him, I was like, look, most of our guys just are, once they're here, they're here. Like, they they understand the value of this education um, and where 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 it's going to set them apart. I always use the analogy, a baseball analogy. I don't know why I do this, but I always tell guys, you know, some schools are like, hey, like hitting a single. Some are like hitting a double. You come to Grinnell College, you hit a triple, you're almost home, dude. Right. You know, it's going to be good for you. So um, our retention rate has been really well. Uh, we're our guys are really bought in. Um, we're pretty excited. I mean, uh, you know, we played last year, you know, against you guys. And uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I started eight freshmen on, on defense. Right. We were young, you know, and guys just not understanding quite. You know, I had a new new secondary coach, a couple new guys on, on staff that didn't really quite understand everything. Right. And it was kind of, hey baptism by fire let's go um and you know the fact that our guys were here they stayed true to the path we got in the weight room in the off season got after it spring ball we saw leaps and bounds it's been great yeah. so we're pretty excited about you know the future what we're building here yeah well i mean you i mean obviously going from you know the the unfortunate circumstances of 2019 and then covid um, you know, you guys, you guys did, you know, great things. You guys, you know, you won, you won a game, you, you hadn't won a game in a while and, and, and you did some, some, you won, you won one or two last year. I can't even remember now. We won two, we won yeah. two games and we were in a couple games that. Exactly. And you guys, yeah. you guys were competing. And so that's, that's just, a, in my mind, that's just a testament to what you guys have, have put in and the effort you guys are, are working on as a staff. So I think that's great. Um, you know, and, and, Hopefully you guys keep keep improving that way. I mean, because I I can't when I was in college, Grinnell was ten and zero. They were like two year league champs. Yeah. So the ninety, the mythical 
they were yeah. one year champs, the Miskel '98 season. Yeah, they were they were they were pretty legit back and, then. They had some dudes. I mean, it wasn't a huge roster; it was about, right. about fifty. But I think the makeup of the conference was. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you played back then, and, and was in the conference. Um, I think the makeup of the conference was pretty similar roster size wise, right? Like it was somewhere between fifty to seventy guys on roster. Most teams had. Yeah. Uh, Norbert always had bodies. Norbert was always in the, in the hundreds. Um, Monmouth was typically in the hundreds. Um, we were up. Yeah. We were probably 75 to 85 ish. Yeah, That's what I figured is, but yeah, it wasn't a huge gap of, right. Of, of numbers. Right. They were at, I think if I remember correctly, I was told they were at like 52 that year in 98. Now they were cheating a little bit from the perspective of they had a 24 year old Mormon quarterback that could sling it, man. Hey, Hey, it, do it, do what you got to do. He, I, the, the things I've heard about him is that he was, he was the truth. He was a legit, you know, scholarship player yeah. that wanted a really, really high education, elite education. And that's why he came to Grinnell. Um, they had, you know, he was an all American. They had an all American offensive tackle and all American tight end. They had three guys that were on offense, three or four guys on offense that were all Americans that year. Right. They were, and they were also, I mean, it was a little bit cutting edge offense. They were spreading the ball, throwing it. Yes. A lot more than a lot of people were back in 98, 98. Yes. A lot of people were pounding the rock. I mean, what were you guys running offensively when you were at IC? We were starting to, we were actually, we were nipping at the heels of them in, in regard to throwing the football and, and, and cutting edge type stuff. Um, and that was all just, again, based on our, because of our quarterback and, and who he was and what he did. So, you know, we, they were doing that, but yeah, everyone else. I mean, I remember, I mean, Lake Forest at that time was still running the wing T um, Knox was, was double tight. I formation uh, Rippon was still, they were kind of spreading it, but they, but they were, they weren't, they weren't the, the, flex bone that you and I know more of, but they were still, you know, I formation under center stuff. So yeah, everyone was kind of, I think, I think everybody looked and saw what Grinnell did and mm-hmm. were kind of picking and choosing a little bit and, and, and doing some thing, trying to, trying to implement some things that they had done. Cause yeah, I mean, that's, and I didn't see, I saw the Grinnell team that I played my first year at IC was still pretty good. I think they were, I think they finished seven and three six and four, seven and three, but they, but, but Jeff was still there. He was, he played, he played tight end that game. And then I think the rest of that he, after that, or a couple weeks after that, he, he switched the quarterback. So, I mean, that was, that was always the interesting thing was you had, you had Jeff who was an all American tight end and then turned around and became a, uh, all conference quarterback. And, um, they had the, uh, the head coaches, I think it was the head coach's son at the time was the running back. And he was a, horse yeah it was it, it, coach wallace's son yes, thank you yeah uh, coach wallace's son was the the running back yeah jeff had the jeff was a tight well here's the deal jeff was a quarterback coming in and you know they recruited him as a quarterback and then got here and they were like well you know sure you you know troy's got one more year right here He's 24, married with a child, and and he's really smart, and he can sling it. You know, you're not going to beat him out, but we think we can use you as a tight end. Right. And Jeff was all on board. He's like, I don't care as long as we're winning and I'm playing. Let's go. Yeah. You know, you know his freshman year, he was an All-American tight end. Yeah, which is you know, crazy. Which is crazy, right? So 
Yeah, they were pretty good. Yeah, so your your freshman year would have been 99 then, huh? So my I, my first year at Illinois College was 2000, though, because I went to Augustana my freshman okay. year. So, yeah, so we, okay, okay. we actually yeah. – we, we beat them my first year there, and then we – didn't beat them the next two years. Um, but so they were, so you, you, you know, you talk about that. We were, we were six and four, six and four. And then my senior year, we were three and seven, but still it was, it was a competitive game, but yeah, that's, I mean, they were, the conference was, was pretty wide open back then, which was always in my mind is always a, a great thing. You know, it, you, you want to have that kind of that parody a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was, so people kind of talk and, and, you know, turn their nose up a bit at Grinnell athletics and Grinnell football. But, but I remember when they, they had some good players and were doing some really good things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been crazy to, you know, to think back and look at some of those things, you know, and over the years they've, I mean, we've had some great individual performances, but you know how it is. It, right. It's a, it's a team game and, you know, you can kind of, avoid that really, really good defensive end if 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 you have a solid game plan and, and right. say, hey, you know what, we're not going to allow this guy to take over the game. So um, it's definitely been crazy. But, yeah, I mean, we're we're excited where we're at right now, kind of what good. we're trying to build towards. And we got, you know, the supportive administration, our president, the admissions office, and, and our alums. Our alums, like that group of guys from 98 want to see us have success. Um, we got a group of guys from the 70s that won conference titles that are, you know, banging down our, our head coach's door to say, right. hey, what do you need from us? That's awesome. So, so we're pretty excited about it, what we're building. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I think that's great, and I wish you nothing but but success. Um, so we, we're going to have to switch things up a little bit here because I just got a notification that we only have 10 minutes left on, on, <laughs> on our recording. So okay. uh, so, so we're going to jump ahead a bit, um, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the final question. So the last piece of this podcast. So um, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore um, uh, of guys you played with, guys you coached against, or guys you were just a fan of, uh, obviously of offensive linemen, who would be on that five-man offensive line? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, well, I, 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 you know, here, I'm going to give you two lists. I'm going to okay. give you guys that I played with first. Um, and then I'll give you guys that NFL players that that I think are, are the – the best of the best. Okay. Um, you know, a couple guys that come to mind, you know, high school teammates of mine that I played with a guy named Tony Michelotis. He, uh, he played at, ended up going on and playing at Holy Cross was a really good offensive tackle. Um, another guy was a kid named Chris Putra. He was a year below us, but he ended up playing at Ferris state. Um, really good offensive lineman. And then the three guys in the interior would be guys that I played with in college. Um, Two young guys that were two years younger than me, guards. Uh, one was uh, by the name of Evan Walters, um, and the other one was named by Brian Layton. Now, these two guys, I, I you know, they were huge mamma jammers. Like, I, <laughs> I remember being a junior, and they're in there as a freshman. I'm like, where the hell did we find these guys? Right. Um, you know, they were both 6'3", 6'4", 320-plus pounds, and were athletic and nasty, just nasty guys that got after it. Yeah. Um, and then at center um, would be, you know, my freshman year in college, he was a senior at Albion, um, John Trupiano. He was, he was the technician and the brains of the entire operation of that championship O-line. You know, he, he communicated everything. I had to practice against him. God, every day, which sucked for me as a freshman. <laughs> uh, I got that task because 
our, our line coach, you know, he came to me and said, Hey, I know you could, you're going to be, you know, traveling with us. This is going to be good for you. I want you to be over here working with him all the time. Um, those type of things, but it, it, it sucked because our O line was so good that year. And I'm, I'm this freshman out there, just go after it. Right. Um, I will say I did learn quite a bit, you know, from those guys, uh, how to play with a little bit of a chip and a little nastiness because of that, but it was great. So I would say those five um, would be the guys that I played with, be the my Mount Rushmore of guys I played with. NFL-wise, um, you know, I might be a little biased here. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a few Michigan guys on this. Yeah, that's um, all right. But, but you know, I would say the first guy would be Jake Long, you know, at tackle. Um, and my other tackle would be Trent Williams. Um, you know, kind of two really, really big athletic physical guys that can right. get after it. Um, at guard would be Steve uh, Hutchinson. Okay. At center, David Bass. And then at the other guard, Larry Allen. Uh, that that would be my Mount Rushmore. Now, I know there's three Michigan guys on there. I get it. I might get some hate for that. I'm okay with it. I've, yeah. I've been a Michigan fan my whole life uh, growing up and watching football, you know, all that stuff. So those would be guys that I would consider to be, you know, the best offensive linemen that I've seen personally play. Um, that I follow, that I like. I like their attitudes, the, you know, the nastiness. Like Trent Williams, man, that's a whole another level right there oh, yeah. of, of nastiness that I'm like, ooh, God, that would be nice to have on the team, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those are the guys that I would say are my kind of Mount Rushmore of offensive line. I know some guys have said, oh, I, I'll take the, you know, the Cowboys offensive line from this year or the Redskins, you know, whatever it may be. I'm not going to take a whole group. Um, you know, I kind of think – there are some guys out there that probably don't get as much recognition as they probably should. No, sure. hey, Trent Williams and Larry Allen probably get a ton of recognition. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So, but those would be my, my, my guys that I would pick my Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's a good list. I like it. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan too, so I can appreciate that. Um, well, coach, before we get you out of here, do me a favor, uh, drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want the listeners to know. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm always available to talk football, do all that stuff, strength conditioning. So if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, they can always reach out to me on my Twitter, um, you know, which is I'm pretty, pretty much tied to the hip with my phone. So I always have it on. I'm pretty good about getting back. That's the unfortunate um, life of D3 recruiting. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt for sure. Um, but yeah, my Twitter handle is at Jason Mark 3960. Um, pretty simple, pretty, pretty easy to find me. Um, like I said, you can always hit me up, DM me or, or just shoot me a, shoot me a, a message, whatever on a, on one of my posts. And I'll, I'll probably get back to you. I'm pretty good about that stuff. I will say, be patient with me. If I don't get back to you right now, um, like me, coach said earlier, we've had a little bit of life changes. I've got three <laughs> under three. Now I got my oldest who's, you know, just not even two and a half yet. And then my wife gave birth to twins in, in late March. So, it's been a little hectic, a little crazy, but I, I promise I'll try to get back to you if I can. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the what, what, what little hair we have left, we're not pulling out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, hey, that's why I try to keep it as short as possible right now. There you go. I, there I don't go. have a whole lot to yank on. It's it's more the the beard than anything that I end up pulling. Yeah. Sometimes. So, yeah. but you know how that is. Oh, you don't. No doubt. No doubt. Well, coach, I appreciate you. Thanks for, for taking the time. We'll we'll definitely have to come back and do this again because there's a lot more I wanted to talk about with you, but I, I gotta. I got to take a look at Zoom and figure out why I've got a time limit on there now. So we'll we'll have to 
we'll have to have a part two coming up at, at some point soon, but yeah, for um, sure. And just let me know. Yeah. I'm, I'm always down to, to talk more and, and it could be football strength condition, whatever you want to get. Yeah. No, you definitely. Like I said, <laughs> I, I've got some questions, so we'll, we'll get back to that, but uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, wish you nothing but the best. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys have a great season and, and I'm uh, looking forward to, to talking with you more down the road. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on and best of luck with the new gig at Elmhurst, man. I hope it thanks, goes bud. well. All right. Well, thanks, man. We'll talk soon. All right. See you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Thank you.